More TV superheroes, just what the world needs. Ugh. Warning. DC on R&D, the Doom Patrol edition, contains adult language and discussions, as well as the occasional sexually explicit joke, and from time to time, some crude and off-color remarks. If you're easily offended, don't continue to listen. And then go fuck yourself. Hello, welcome everyone to DC and RMD. I am Michael Flores, your host, and in the studio with me, as per usual, are the two clowns, uh, David and Paul. Hello, David. Hello. I... Hello, I'm also here. All right. He doesn't want to be a clown. <laughs> All right, so today we're going to be discussing the season finale. And I put that in air quotes of Doom Patrol Season 2 titled Wax Patrol. It should be renamed and called the Unfinished Patrol <laughs> or possibly the Coronavirus Patrol. Pandemic uh, Patrol. Yeah, there's, that would be actually a good That would actually work, too. I like that one. There's a ton of open-ended elements this season. This was definitely not the end that was planned. Thanks, yeah. of course, to Coronavirus. And I have to say, the young actress that said they were pretty much done doesn't really understand the finer details of wrapping up a season. (laughs) And granted, she's 11. I probably shouldn't have taken her word. Also, you don't know that, um, you know, whatever, without getting too far into it right now, uh, we don't know how much was filmed, but not used used yet. yet. That's true. That's, because, that's absolutely true. Maybe she had thought they were going to try to end it with whatever they had ended up shooting for episode 10. Yeah, because like we got to remember, we're going into this season finale and people have to understand. Yeah, it's the season finale, but it's the season finale because of the pandemic. Right. Because we were supposed to get 10 episodes, but because of the de- pandemic, we got eight. No, nine. nine. Oh, nine, nine, nine. Sorry. Yeah, nine. There was zero closure, and it kind of sucks in retrospect that years from now, because us, the immediate audience, we understand. We get it. We understand that, okay, coronavirus, we can easily look it up online if you weren't in the know. Like, oh, coronavirus shut them down an episode early. Okay, that's why it ended with not a lot of closure. But in years to come, when people find this on demand, they're going to be like, why did it end this way? in years to come, though, when people are like watching on demand, you know, binging the shit out of it or you know, whatever, whatever future right. word for binging is. Bunging. Um, bunging. bunging. Past, past tense. <laughs> I have bunged. Um, they're just going to fucking roll into the next episode. Next episode is going to autoplay. They're not even going to notice right. when a season ends. The, only- the layman. The layman would. I agree. But mm-hmm. if you're. Of the same mindset as ourselves, we would be like, that's the season finale? That's odd. If you're not watching it as the episodes come out, you're garbage. That's that's, <laughs> that's valid. That's valid. But also, <laughs> the thing I'm worried about with this is they run into the problem that Titans had. Oh, my God. Remember? No. Season two of Titans starts up, and you have that. Yeah. Literally, the ending of season one Don't happened in do the beginning this. of season two. Don't season two tighten us, bro. But, but you know what? Season two of Titans was good. It ended up being but good. But it took four episodes to fix. All right. So, yeah, I'm hoping they don't tighten season two us. Hopefully, they are able to get over that hump, possibly wrap up any loose strands that they may have to, no, not may, that they have to wrap up before moving into the season three. Into season three. Because, like, just like what you mentioned uh, before, is, like, it took four episodes in Titans to get their footing for season two. <laughs> yeah. It took some time. I mean, the thing that is going for this, the fact that they were able to end the season on a high note, at least, is because of Carver's writing. Luckily... Carver and his writers write the way they do. They give us those cliffhanger endings. Well, Carver's infamous for this, dude. Well, dude, we said, I think we said it last discussion that Carver just gives us these cliffhangers episode after episode. He builds, 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 builds through act, through act one, act two, act three, act four, and then boom, everything builds up. You get all of the, the climactic aspects you want and deserve, and then it's over in an instant. Well, yeah, because like, for example, like me and you talked about it 
prior to recording of the show and everything about like the connections and the feel and vibe that feels very similar to say like supernatural storylines. Like you mentioned the Cain and Abel one. Yeah. Fantastic storyline. Yeah. In supernatural, they, they had this completely awesome buildup for that storyline. And then suddenly bang, it yeah. ends done. Well, Carver <laughs> does that. He's known for doing that. And it's not a sign of bad writing. It's not my favorite. It's his style, style but it is his style. It's but his style. It worked for the purposes of this season specifically because at least he writes in a way where we're all like, oh shit. That's how it ends. Oh, dude. Which does feel if there was narrative closure for each of our characters, then an ending like that with our immediate characters, like the reveal of Jane, the or the Miranda aspect. And then we had Dorothy being snatched up by the candle maker. If we had wrapped up all the nuanced aspects pertaining to our Doom Patrol team and then that would have happened, that would have been a fine ending. But the way they left everyone else kind of just in a state of holy shit no it was just in a state of question marks it was like well okay where do we go with the with these characters there there wasn't that closure that you've been working towards all season so i can't imagine that they'll have too much work to do for season three i i assume with how tight carver writes that they can probably get it done in one episode but the thing is, is that we're dealing with season three, right? Yes. Okay. Now, do you really want your season three now to feel broken up and strangely erratic because you're trying to close out season two and start season three? So are we going to see things that were supposed to close out, possibly linger and stay around a little bit so that there's a bit of more, there's a bit more co uh, consistency or cohesiveness? I would say that like specifically right now is a weird time for TV. And I think this, we're going to see things that we've never really seen before. Um, There have already been like multiple shows series that have been like, you know, over for years casts have like gotten back together to do like, you know, kind of COVID special, like zoom call mock episodes Um, shows. uh, What is the, what is the sunny Apple TV guys show? The one where they make games mythic quest. That that series like ended, you know, first season completely wrapped. But then they also did like a, you know, a Zoom style, yeah. uh, like COVID special episode. Um, and just, you know, because of the state of things. So as we are right now, this was supposed to be a 10 episode season and it didn't happen. I, I think it is not necessarily like expect it. Don't take my word for it. But yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we got this 10th episode just here you go. Have it now sometime before season three starts. Oh, you mean as a 10th episode? Yeah. Hmm. It, it doesn't need to be part of like they had the budget. They had everything. It was just COVID shut it down. Right. Yeah. So assuming, yeah. assuming production was smart and just, you know, not pocketed that money. That's probably the wrong. Put that money in the safe and saved it. Uh, Jeremy Carver went and used it on strippers. I heard that's, that's fine. <laughs> just pull he's, it out of season three. He's all thank you. No CG, coronavirus. No CG villains. Season I'm going to go no, get a lap dance. No uh, CG, no CG ghost sex. There's no CG ghost sex in season three, but I, I feel like it's who not, used uh, our ghost sex budget. Come on. <laughs> who, who used it? Uh, that was me. <laughs> used on strippers, but you bring up a very valid, a, a very good point, Paul, that I hope, I actually hope they do what you what you brought up because I didn't think about it. You're right. We're in a different it's a very very different time for in media right now mm-hmm. due to everything going on. And yeah, you're seeing I just noticed that just a couple of days that I started seeing like TV shows coming back and they're doing like Zoom calls t- doing like their yeah, supposed but, season but finale. But no one wants that for Doom Patrol. Come oh on. yeah. No. But like well, like like the shows that I'm talking about, like like Parks and Rec did it. Parks and Rec, uh, I think Thirty Rock did it. Both of those shows Titus have been over for it. years. But these yeah. are shows that are over. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But like, I think that would be the smartest thing because you'd think that they they must have shot at least something. Okay. Well, for season ten, let's bring it for 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 the tenth tenth episode. Let's bring it closer to home. Supernatural ended season three a half a season early because of the strike. That was taking place, I believe, in 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I use Supernatural is because Carver is from Supernatural. 
And they managed to bring closure to an entire season in 12 episodes. Of Supernatural. Of Supernatural. <laughs> so, again, I don't feel like this episode was poorly written. In no. fact, I think it's quite the opposite. I feel like this episode was written just fine. So moving forward today on our discussion, I think we should review and break down this episode based on just that. It's an episode, but it's not a true season finale. It doesn't have that season finale ending. Otherwise, if I were to review this as a finale, I would probably give it a lot lower score because it wasn't a finale. It didn't have all the closure that you would need for a season finale. But would you take it? Would you take points off because... Yes, I'm sorry, that that's this isn't a season finale. Dave. That cliffhanger, that cliffhanger though was freaking no. Awesome. The cliffhanger was amazing, Dave. But Rita, Cyborg, Cliff, Larry, there's no story for them. There was no story. They suddenly they have imaginary friends, which is fucking bullshit. I'll get to that in a second. There was a lot of things that were not explained that were just dropped on us. And maybe if we had a finale, I'd be like, okay, I see what you're doing with that. There was just a lot of things that didn't click because this is a season finale. As just an episode nine, as just an episode of a season, it's just fine. So that's why I want to have a fair discussion and not mark them off on points because of coronavirus. They couldn't help that. Coronavirus, you know took all of us by storm people well, are dying fair. i'm not going to mark off carver because of something he didn't start yeah well maybe he did i don't know <laughs> you never know we'll see he might have gone to china and had a bat for dinner i don't know <laughs> i'm not in his life i'm not a stalker paul i know you wanted me to be but i'm not i think he i think he cooked the bat i don't think he ate it i think he served it oh, okay. that is not bad that's a oh, crime <laughs> wow david you are a beast you're an animal <laughs> you you gotta eat if you gotta eat you gotta eat <laughs> all right so that being said this might be a rather quick episode discussion because honestly not a lot happened they were leading us down a path that would be a conclusion yeah but we never actually got there the biggest part of this episode was the miranda reveal and suddenly all of this makes sense everything pertaining to miranda and the questions we had had we find out in those waning moments that Miranda was not Miranda at all, yes. which actually works. And I actually feel better about it. Yeah, we, we found out for the first time. Definitely. Yeah. Jane no had, one saw that coming. <laughs> well, we we didn't. I don't think any of us thought that she wasn't Miranda. We knew she had some this person had ill intentions, but we weren't quite sure what she was. Right. And Jane had found her dead body at the bottom of the well where she has apparently been this entire time. Yes. And it's heavily implied that the person masquerading as Miranda is actually the abusive father. Yeah. Oh, dude, it, it, there's no, there's no like hinting at it. It is him because remember he uses the same well, phrase. Well, David, did he say it's me? No, no, no. But he used then the it's phrase. Implied. He, he used the phrase. He used the phrase when he, he the touches phrase. I when, know. When he so creepy. K, oh my god! Oh, I got so creeped so out. So disgusting. Because yeah. it, it just reminded me of that episode in season one. Oh Jesus! I thought you were going to say it reminded me when I was touched. I was <laughs> no, like, oh no, my no. god! But, it, but it reminded me of that episode in season one with the puzzle and the hand. Yeah. Coming out of nowhere, and then you just hear the hear the father's voice, yeah. and then when he when I give props to the actress that was playing Miranda, you she She's literally a good went actress. from She's she good. literally went from cool Miranda, good you expect good things for her, to all of a sudden sinister villain. Guess what? I'm the creepiest motherfucker there is. Yeah, but and all of this makes sense. Suddenly, all the bad shit happening within Jane's world makes sense. Yeah, because. When it comes down to it, that's her problem. That's her number one biggest demon. That is Jane's biggest demon and biggest obstacle hurdle in her life. It is the abuse of father. It's the reason why they all exist. So for that it's, to be the reveal, I can't think of a better one. It's so fucked that the, you know, we'll say the entity that that broke K, that made K develop all of these different personalities to protect her, is now killing the personalities yes. to get back to her. Yeah. Get back to her because yeah. at the end of the day, and like like because because it's still in her head, he isn't real. 
is he like is he an entire new personality isn't that, that sad like but it's so it, fucked it's it, it goes it goes in the line of you know how whatever how we can influence the the the, the young how how a person can literally just have an effect on someone when they're very young and they can carry it permanent damage permanent Perm- damage yeah it it's like uh me and me and you Mike have had discussions on other shows about like the effects of parents and their, their kid characters in, in various shows, say for example, like Star Trek deep space nine, right. With Cisco and Jake mm-hmm. where that's, that's seen as a very positive influence here in freaking doom patrol. This is the polar opposite. The father is such a negative influence on him on K that even though she, even though like what you said, Paul, that's not really him. Well, Okay. But it's the influence of him that's right, affecting right. her. Well, this is even on par, and uh, it's it's very on par with our own world, our own reality. This true disorder, this this disease that Jane has—I guess you can call it a disease. Let's just go oh, yeah. with it. Um, call it what it is. There are again. This is something that's always fascinated me: split personality. Yes, if you look at real medical stories in the textbooks. There are numerous accounts where these individuals do, in fact, create the very character that or the very personality or the very person that abused them. Yeah. Which is sad because the whole idea behind this disorder is that they create these personalities so that they can deal with the abuse so that they can essentially escape and hide from something that they're not strong enough to deal with. So they create these personalities to handle them for them. So or handle it for them. So the fact that Jane creates this character or this personality of her own father, which number one, we already knew there was a personality because he was attached to the well. But the question is, why now, after all this time, when this personality had been, I guess you can say, tethered to the well, what gave him the ability or power to assume another identity? I, I just from this episode, I think it's because Jane's at a weak point, the Jane personality, her main mm-hmm. personality, Jane herself is such at a weak point. It allows that other personality to all of a sudden come back and because or like, take control or take control. Yeah. Because like, if you think about it, because Jane, they, they kind of had him imprisoned at the well. Yeah. That's essentially what they were saying. They were in saying season one. And then when Miranda gets, when Miranda, uh, from what we see, Miranda dies once she goes into the well. Her first, the first time. The very first time, the right? Very when first she time, failed. That's when she really died. Well, it's all coming into play because if you look at everything from season one, you have to remember that whatever memory surfaced while she was fucking that guy, that's what caused her to go on her quest to find answers that yes. then sent her to. The sisters that then sent her to the well where she fell into. So it's all fall. All the pieces are falling into place. And after that, so if you look at how the underground works, Miranda's actually really dead. The only truly strong personality Jane has is Jane herself. Yeah. And this whole season, we've seen Jane beaten down. Like. She started at the beginning of the season. She basically comatosed herself. Yeah. Well, because that- she, she wanted to get away from everything. So because the main personality of Jane is so damaged, it, that's where you mean, K, the, the main personality, yeah, of K, yeah. the K. Yeah. The, what's the next strongest personality? We know that from season one, that father personality is there and it is super strong. Well, okay, so backtracking just a minute, Dave, you had touched on something that I completely agree with. You said, you answered my question when I said, why now? And you had said it's because she's at a weak point, right? Jane is at a weak point. The primary, the person who's supposed to be in control is at a weak point. And I would agree with that because when you think about it, what started this? It possibly could be the Niles betrayal that allowed the father to break free. When you look at Miranda's story in this episode, what also, this is a beautiful parallel, what also broke her, her boyfriend's betrayal, it shook loose those bad memories that brought Jane to the forefront as primary. Yeah. When Miranda failed and she couldn't 
control and keep these emotions at bay, who came forward? Jane. And when you said that Jane is the stronger of the personalities, I think this episode proved that. It's not Miranda. Miranda died. Yeah. The strongest personality is Jane. She's the one who came forward to rescue Miranda and to control since what the 60s I can I assume she's been in control yeah late 60s late like 60s. 60s yeah and then she survived the well I that's the that's the best part of this episode as that you finally see there's this whole this whole season it's been about questioning whether or not Jane is the wisest choice in terms of primary, they have questioned it. They have posed the questions. They have laid out the evidence. And at the end of the day, it comes back to Jane is the qualified individual, especially the way she took control of that scene with the douche boyfriend. <laughs> yes. She did something that Miranda could not. Miranda was at a weak point and allowed herself to be taken advantage of. Whereas Jane is the one who rescued them from that scenario and got them out. And, well, and you have to throw into the fact that because at season one, you have the Niles revealed just like what you mentioned. But you also have the fact that it was a separate personality that had to be called upon to save the day. It wasn't Jane. It was the doc, the, the I forgot the doctor. In what scenario? The, the like the psychiatrist. The psychiatrist. It was the psychiatrist that had to actually be brought out. And when was this at, at the end of season one? Oh yeah, that's right. So you have the, at the end of season one where we, we all thought that basically they, all these characters came out of this looking like superheroes, but in actuality, the Niles betrayal just leads them all back down. Right. They all it it broke suddenly, them again. It broke them again. Because yeah. if you, if you look at the end of season one, what did Jane have to do? She had to rely on a personality that we all thought was more powerful than Jane. But in season two, we find out that no, she's not that powerful. She she has a very powerful, you know, ability, but she's not strong in terms of personality strength like Jane is. Or even like you can even say some of other Jane's primaries like Hammerhead. So Yeah, but yeah, I mean moving moving back from Jane, I think that Hammerhead is probably like probably second. Is, yeah, second. I mean she, you know, she functioned, she saved the day once, and then she was like, oh, fuck this noise. Like, yeah. there's way too much effort. But the thing is, is they're single serving. Exactly. Like, Hammerhead is a blunt instrument. Yeah. She's there literally to handle situations that that require a blunt instrument, and then I'm she's, out. She's, and then, she's, yeah, she's, she's not out. equipped to handle the day-to-day. Mm-mm. And that's what Jane has proven this season, is that she is the one who is equipped to handle with the day to day. So we'll see where it goes. I like her story. Uh, Larry was my favorite story last season, but I really think the Jane story was, I would, I would say story B or myth arc B for this season alongside Dorothy. And I feel like it was a, a really interesting aspect to the season. But the question is, where are they going with this story next season? Was this going to be wrapped up? Was this whole entire aspect pertaining to Jane going to be wrapped up this year? Or was this going to be something set up for season three? Because when you look at the, when you look at it, Dave, it it feels like one of those things that was barely coming into focus. We spent most of the season setting this entire thing up for Jane, getting us to this point. It doesn't seem likely with the type of buildup that it would have been resolved in one episode. Well, especially since, you know, prior to this episode, we all were thinking that Jane's the only one that's qualified to take on the candle maker because the candle maker attacked the underground, took out the personalities, all the personalities decide, Oh, you're going to basically try to invade us. No, sir. We're going to fight you off. And those two, the, the, the Miranda character and the candle maker, we were all assuming it would come down to those two because, Candlemaker attacked the underground, so the right. underground has to retaliate. Now it's I'm thinking that Miranda herself or the father, I'm just gonna call it the father figure in Jane, that's that was supposed to be next season's yeah. villain. Yeah, that's what it seems like, right? It that's what I that's what I well, got from how, this episode. How do we 
I don't know. How do how do we carry that? Like, granted, uh, yeah. Jane has to get out of the well, and maybe it's a six episode climb. Um, yeah. Oh, hey, if you guys are listening, we're in the midst of a thunderstorm, <laughs> and we are hearing massive thunder coming through our microphones. So I apologize. <laughs> Go ahead, Paul. Um, so, so you know, uh, I, I. I don't know how they're going to, because as soon as Jane is out of the well, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna address Miranda. We're gonna fuck, fuck this bitch, kill her. Right. Yeah, what? Something. Something the is gonna happen. Yeah. Um, no, Miranda sucks too. Uh, She's dead. She made bad choices and she killed herself. That's right. That's right. Um. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> so how? Yeah, one more episode. I agree. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it would have wrapped immediately, but I don't think it would have lasted the entire following season. Okay, so. This is another thing I want to pose here and a scenario we can discuss. Now, I had been saying, how is this all going to connect? Can we really have a Jane story leading to something and a Candlemaker story and it just run parallel and never intersect? It has to. That's how you write TV. You cannot have two separate stories. So how is it going to come together? Well, I mean, well, I, I'm, I'm wondering, yeah. I'm wondering if possibly. If you remember. The father, not Miranda, was very intent on finding Dorothy. Where's Dorothy? She wanted to make peace with the Candlemaker. Hammerheads is like, what? What do you want to do? <laughs> Someone who came down here and killed us, you want to make peace with him? The father wants something from the Candlemaker. The Candlemaker has something that the father needs. Maybe a way to take himself out of this body and into the Candlemaker. I don't know. I think, no, no, that you're on to something because that's what I was thinking too. Is like, you already watched season three too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a script. I got a script for it. But that's, that's honestly, I think what the father what, figure wants. Wouldn't that the, the, make sense when you look at everything? Because the, the ability of the Candlemaker is insane. He can manifest anywhere. Mm-hmm. That was the whole point. Like, and Dorothy's ability to take character, imaginary, imaginary, which essentially these personalities, yes, they're real, but they are imaginary. imaginary. The Candlemaker has the ability to create imaginary characters and project them in the real world and make them essentially tangible entities, right? So perhaps the father thinks that he can possibly use that power in some way to actually bring himself into the real world. It makes sense with everything we've seen. Especially since he shows up right after Miranda shows up, right after the candle maker just exactly. obliterates the underground. Exactly. Right. So whatever opportunity. Maybe he got he got a taste of the power. He he understood something because essentially he's evil. He yeah, understood I mean, something. You know when you're evil and crazy and you're planning revenge for decades and then <laughs> finally you get like a key that makes your plan work. Right. And so you crawl out of the well. Sounds and you start like you're speaking. Havoc. Like that's very specific. <laughs> Is this something you've actually experienced? You, you know when you're doing that. <laughs> when you're at the bottom of a well for thirty years <laughs> and you're plotting your revenge and you're but, waiting uh, for that moment, that opportune moment to slit everyone's throat. You know what I'm talking you know about, I'm right, talking guys? You're just, you're just waiting to get invited to that sleepover where you can spike the lemonade. <laughs> and then he jumps there. What the hell? Getting man? worse. So. Everyone else in the underground seems pretty on page with like fuck the candle maker and also kind of fuck Dorothy. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and I, arguably I think, understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. Um, I think that it, you know, it makes sense that they will all somehow come together, you know, rally yeah. behind Jane to do that. Also, um, when everyone else was interacting with their imaginary friends, where the fuck was Miranda? She got pulled out by the engineer or the, the train driver. Right. But she's because still physically they were, somewhere. She was just laying on the ground, I assume. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because you got to remember that when she gets pulled out, technically that stops. That that pulls her away from. It's very similar to yeah, how like the Mr. Like, Nobody's world. Remember in season well, like, one. Okay. So when she. You well, know, she's still physically there. She's yes. still physically there. But yeah. her mind is empty. Brought- like she she abandoned post during the orgy and that's why she fell into like a coma she went searching for those answers talked right. to the sisters went to the well and 
then you know eventually jane popped up and uh potentially is that the is that like the creation of jane or do you think she was down there and just jumped i don't know in? That was probably the creation of Jane because that's a very traumatizing moment. Because like like prior to that, we during the sex we saw what, Penny Farthing else, and Scarlet. Yes. I think someone else to took over too. In the middle of sex, someone else took over. Oh yeah, was, oh, yeah, yeah because, Penny Farthing with a stutter, and then Scarlet Harlot okay. really liking it, yeah. and then maybe Hammerhead. Maybe Hammerhead. Fuck off me. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, eventually we got to Jane. But point being, you know, she she like fell into that brief, you know, stun coma whatever thing, and that's when Jane popped up. So these these interactions when they they pull her back in the train and everyone's talking about you know what the fuck is this about blah 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 um sometimes those are like in her head and they're like seconds and mm-hmm. sometimes she's laying on the floor while everyone else gets covered in wax for 10 minutes so i don't you know i don't know it it's a very it, it, okay so it seems like when they're pulling the primary out they're actually removing her so when she willingly goes to speak to them, she's in control within the outside world. It seems like when they when they take control, that's when she's blacked out and immobile in yeah, the because, real world. Because at that point, they're in like a neutral territory, which is the train, the it, train yeah. itself. So by that logic, her just kind of going and talking to Kay, who is exploring Jane's exit, being all closed up. Are we assuming that Miranda was still walking around? No, she was, she was, she fell down to the ground. Yeah, she fell to the ground. They removed her though before Miranda or fake Miranda had moved towards Kay. You have to remember they had pulled her from the real world to ask her what she's up to because they're not trusting her. And you got to remember that while the Candlemaker is powerful and he could travel everywhere in. Everywhere inside of the oh. underground, he can't be everywhere. Right. We're getting into the weeds here. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're getting. So, all right. So let's move past the Jane aspect. The next part of this episode that felt the most coherent was the opening minutes of the episode where we saw Cliff getting ready for his daughter's wedding. I got, I was, I felt so terrible for this. <laughs> I felt like the writers really displayed Cliff's growth as a character this season, but especially in this episode when he chose the unselfish decision to save Dorothy. Out of all of our characters, he's the only one that I can point to because of coronavirus and say, okay, there's a little bit of closure there because this whole season was about challenging his selfish views and how he continues to make bad decisions. And the fact that he was able to put aside his own wants and go save Dorothy, that right there shows the most amount of growth Cliff has ever displayed in two seasons, without a doubt. I I, I 100% agree with you. However, it's the way he answers his daughter that has me kind of iffy because he doesn't come out and tell his daughter what's going on. Wait, right? Oh, well, how do you... I don't think he needs to, though. Like, yeah. he had her over. She uh-huh. toured the mansion. He's a giant fucking robot. He explained <laughs> yeah. when they were all tiny living on the racetrack in his two-bedroom room um, and how they, you know, he saved the world last season. I think, like, absolutely she's going to be bummed and there might be a little bit of fallout if he actually misses the wedding. But, like, he promises to be there for the birth of the grandchild and like, it's not out of the question to be like, "Hey, I couldn't be there because saving the world." It's, I mean, this, you know, this isn't the Flash or any of those other shows where Barry's got to go fight <laughs> Eobard Thawne and can't tell Iris that he's saving the universe, and so instead he just has to miss a date with her, and then she's furious about it. Yeah, like every. This is as grounded as ridiculous can be. And, yes. and I just to double down on that thought, Paul. I would also say that if he was to overly explain it would put him into a into the position of not being selfless he's making excuses again yeah and i feel like if he said oh i gotta save the world i gotta do this it then puts the light on him me 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 rather than hey i'm just gonna let this shit hit me because i gotta make the selfless decision and go save this child okay see that the way you guys explained it makes sense to me now though. and like this is this is her wedding that he's gonna miss he doesn't need to give her reason to worry about him yeah, or yeah. the world or anything just hey i'm not gonna be there yeah yeah and and you're right paul they're they're this show has been too good to fall for the traps i think it's just because i've watched 
scenarios like this where they they use that excuse where oh he just didn't tell her and basically they make big drama. Quit watching out of shitty it. TV, Dave. <laughs> How about that one? Well, that's the problem, Mike. There's shitty TV everywhere. I know. <laughs> All right. So the part I really struggled with in this episode, and it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the unexpected shortened season was the internal battle each of our Doom Patrol members faced. Now, internal battles with internal demons fits with our team. Absolutely. I'm not going to argue that. Mm -hmm. So the idea works in theory, but the existence of their imaginary friends was a bit weak. We've never once been privy to their imaginary friends before, and we had plenty of opportunities to do so at some point this season. This, in addition, was just, I feel, was just plain awful because it was like they needed to create a conflict while Jane and Dorothy were doing their thing, so they made this up. Now, if they had cleverly slipped in their imaginary friends through some conversation early on, like, say, episode one, when they had found out about Dorothy's, it would have worked. Imagine a scenario where they find out Dorothy has imaginary friends, and then they make some comments very quickly about all of us have had imaginary friends at some point and they mention them by name oh i had this weird paper mache doll i made of this woman or cyborg i liked a cowboy just some conversation in a very doom patrol type way would have fixed this problem imaginary friends played no part in the doom patrol's internal problems this entire season and yet now they're going to be made manifest I feel like that is fucking weak and my biggest argument when it comes to this episode. Yeah. I get that it's kind of the, like the Dorothy Candlemaker thing. Yeah. It makes sense. Manifest imaginary friends, but like one, you know, he, he it's not, he's not limited to imaginary friends. I think he could have manifested like whatever. Yeah. Right. Nightmares. So, um, just like child versions of all the characters I think would have been fine. Yeah. And yeah. serve the same purpose. Um, I mean, or at least something of their immediate problems. And I know that was kind of done last year, but they could have changed it just a bit. The whole thing felt very Mr. Nobody to me. And like, I didn't hate any of that. Yeah. Um, But I mean, yeah, you could have, you could have just have Cyborg straight talk to his dad or Ronnie or something. I think that's that's Cliff talk to, you know, be talking to Clara or something. Um, I mean, but do you, the, how we led into this, how we got here, the spider showing up at the mansion, calling everybody to the fair. Was that Dorothy or was that Candleman? Uh, who fuck knows? <laughs> like that also I didn't like. I'm like, wait a second. Suddenly you can leave Dorothy from miles and miles away. You're this separate entity. It's very, it wasn't quite clear. And I can swallow that and say, meh, all right, whatever. Well, because it's tied to Dorothy. Yeah. I that's can, Dorothy's powers. Right. And I can swallow that and I don't think it's bad. I, I think it works. But my issue is just these imaginary friends that we've never heard once about the entire season. Yes. To me, this feels like, and I know this because I write and we've all fallen into these pitfalls where we're about, you know, 75 pages in and I'm like, oh, I got this really great idea. I'm just going to go ahead and work that in and I'll go back later and rewrite during page three so that this makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to do that. And that's what I felt like these writers did, but they didn't go back and rewrite. Yeah. And I, I, I actually agree with you about the imaginary friend part because it's kind of like if they were to at least connect these imaginary friends, like what you said and earlier basically mentioned about cyborg having a cowboy <laughs> imaginary friend yeah then it would have been better well because these weren't even problems we had heard about because like, we, they, we have all these different choices this season larry rita cliff well the uh, real one the all rita, of them dave have been we've we have gone we have gone to the ringer with the, all these characters we have been exposed and introduced to new problems all season long and they give us some random imaginary friends well, rather than actually use something that's been introduced. It's weird. The Rita one kind of makes sense because it's tied to her mom. The, the eyes the made eyes. Rita's issue or her imaginary friend palatable. Yeah. But everyone else, sense. the cowboy, uh, the, the yeah. Jesus was Bro funny. Jesus. It Bro was, Jesus was funny. It was fucking funny, but it just doesn't make sense. It feels a little lazy. 
And they, they could have used characters or entities that we have already been exposed yeah. to to do the same thing. And the, and the exactly. scary part about that is, like, I agree with you 100%. The only thing for me that may, that I basically was able to brush it aside was because I know the Doom Patrol universe. And I know that it's crazy, batshit crazy when you read the comics. And you have things like this happen. Yeah, Dave, but, you, but okay, let's but not. When you're, but, but, when you're, but when you're actually pulling yourself back and actually taking a look at it, I totally agree with you that basically they probably, I won't, I'm kind of curious to know about notes of how they approached writing for the, for the episodes and stuff. And in this one, it felt like they were trying to capture the comic 100%, the feel of the comic where you don't know what's going to happen around the corner. Everything crazy is going to be happening. Yeah. There's not going to be an explanation. I, I think the, I don't know. No, yeah. d- hold on, Dave. Are you really using that as an excuse? Are you, <laughs> Dave, you are a writer and I you know. understand TV writing and you're literally using a fanboy excuse to justify bad writing right because now. Because I'm looking at I know it. the comic book and what it does. You can't adapt television that way. I know. I know. But I, I didn't I say that I agree with David. I didn't say I agree with it. I didn't say I agree with it. But I've never seen me, your fanboy side show before, Dave. Yeah, this, I don't know if I like is, it. This is this is partly a fanboy moment for me. So it was kind of like I overlooked it. But I definitely, when I look back at it and watched it about like three more times, I'm like, God damn it! I hate to say it. I got to take off points for it because. Yeah. You you have uh, uh, David. You can be honest. This, if it worked for you, it worked for it, you. But it, it did. But but uh, critically, so so it worked for to, you. It, it's very because because it reminded you of the comics. It reminded yeah. you of just the off the wall how the comics the off are the wall written. thing. So the comics are poorly written. <laughs> that's that's a bad. Oh, that, that's bad, <laughs> David. I, I, I read the opening two chapters. We reviewed them, and yes, they were we not written like this. They introduced elements. That paid off. Now, it also, I will be fair, in comic books, they do occasionally introduce things in issue seven that might have been <laughs> really, really out there. Yes, and I will agree with that. But comic book writing is a lot different than, yes. in, than television writing and movie writing. It's a different type of craft. There's a certain type of structure that must be maintained. And I have to say that Carver, for the first time in 19, how many episodes? 20 episodes of Doom Patrol? Yeah. Might have dropped the ball a bit. And it has nothing to do with coronavirus. Yeah. And, and that's why I say this is, it's a, this is one of the points that I knew was going to be brought up because part of me feels like, oh, God, I know this is bad writing. I know it is. No, hold on. I, I, you, I don't know if it's bad writing. No, it is. It, it is. No, see? I, no it see? is. It, it so, is. so you say you say that sometimes you have these ideas while you're writing, and you like yeah. you know you you just you got to work them in. What if the idea wasn't the imaginary friends at all? It was just how can I get Kipling to be dragged down the street <laughs> by a puppet? A puppet. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. See that aspect that was worth it. Kipling. Yes, the Kipling. Imaginary friend made sense for a lot of reasons because his background or his history, I should say, is very ambiguous to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it worked for him. But when you're dealing with characters, we've seen every single episode and we have literally been exposed to the most personal of personal stories. And they pull something yeah. out that we have not seen at all during the season. It's just a shame. And it's, I feel like it mars an episode that is relatively Filled with fantastic substance, the aspects of Jane is some of the best we have ever been given in terms of Jane. It it recontextualized the story of Jane and possibly her origin story. If this, if we were to believe that that was her origin, the very first time she came forward, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Well, especially it's just the the aspects. It's like they didn't know what to do with the rest of the Doom Patrol while. Jane and Dorothy is going through their thing. Well, especially since like you, you, you kind you touched on it a little bit about like the fact that this whole season we've have these things that they could tie in Larry's what happened with Larry and his, his family. They could have easily tied that in instead of bringing in Larry's supposed imaginary friend, Vic very easily. Larry didn't have an imaginary. I thought he did. No, he, he said specifically he didn't oh, have yeah, one. That's right. So they just immediately covered him in he wax. Covered him in on. wax. That's right. And then, like, 
David, did you watch this episode? I forgot. He I watched forget. ahead yeah. like four weeks ago. That's why. That's why he doesn't remember this very well. <laughs> but like you, the thing I like about what you brought up was Vic. Why the heck bring up this random cowboy when you could have easily used his father? That's the problem that he has. I mean, what listen, if they, <laughs> if they wanted to bring up imaginary friends, I think I feel like we're beating a dead horse at this point, but they could have used anything. Could have used anything. They could have used the mother for Rita. They could use they could have used the father for Vic. They could u- they could have used the daughter for Cliff. There are so many things they could have done, and they chose something we've never seen all season at the very last minute. It just doesn't feel right. So, unfortunately, but this does bring us to the end of our discussion for season two. I would like to move into our final thoughts. We should probably take a quick break. You know what? No, no breaks. Let's just go right into final thoughts. Let's start with Paul. You've been awfully quiet this episode. Why don't you be the first one to give us the the deets and then an RMD score? Okay. Um, I really hope Cliff gets a new body and also still exists. I would, I would like to, I would like that to be on the record. <laughs> that was his death scene. <laughs> He's gone. He's, He's gone. So, uh, you know, like, like you said, taking this as an episode, mm-hmm. I, uh, just like every other episode, it absolutely left me wanting more that more isn't going to come for, you know, a year plus or however coronavirus season continuations occur. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we got, we got, we got those rumors and those rumblings about season three and four. So at least we know there's more coming. Um, just, just got to wait it out. I think, yeah, imaginary friends is fucking weird, but all in all, like the rest of it, I was pretty on board with, um, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't hate it, but it definitely wasn't the, one of the best episodes of this season. So I'm probably going to go like a 88 okay. because everything has been solid yeah all right david uh i'm very similar to paul it's uh, this is a one this is one episode that kind of had me torn because as i said you know i let my fanboy inner fanboy in but after reviewing it and actually stepping back there are problems with it the 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 jane stuff and dorothy stuff though is so good to me that it elevates everything else like I'm sorry, that ending, I love the fact that basically Dorothy summons her own weapon and tells tells her mom that basically, oh, I, uh, I could create anything. And then she creates her own weapon. And it's this awesome superhero moment for Dorothy as a character that she's starting to understand and become a mature person that she wants to be. And when... Candlemaker just snatches her away, and then you you end with Niles screaming for Dorothy. That gave me chills. Like I was like really, really excited, but also bummed that basically this is the season finale. We're not going to see season ten or, or episode ten. I keep seeing season ten. Season ten. I think you're <laughs> we're about not, we're gonna, seven years too early. We're, we're gonna see it. We're gonna uh, we're not gonna see episode ten right now because of circumstances, and. It was really tough for me to actually grade this at first because I think I was letting my thoughts about this becoming the season finale take away because it it just doesn't feel like a season finale to me. I'm guilty of the same thing. So actually rethinking it and actually you guys helping me actually discuss about certain elements that I wasn't too keen on, but now I understand it. My grade actually goes up. I'm going to give this an 89. Um, my original score was like an 85. But the Jane and Kay stuff, uh, the Jane, Kay, Dorothy stuff was so good. And I cannot wait to see Miranda as the villain, the father figure. Because that, to me, was like creepy. But it had like this awesome, this is the villain moment. This is who it is. That's the main villain. It's not Candlemaker. It's Miranda. Oh! <laughs> so I give it an 89. Abuse of daddy. An 89? 89. And you gave it an 85, Paul? 88. 88. 88. All right. So I guess I'm going to be a downer. 
I give this episode an RMD score seventy-five percent, which is still a decent rating. It's still a good but score. it is the lowest score I've ever given Doom Patrol. But my question for you is, is it because of how no. this is supposed to be the season finale? No, because as I, I said that at the very beginning, that I'm going to review this based on episode nine. Okay. That is not fair to review it based on it being a season finale. I feel like the episode was a bit of a mixed bag of blah, 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 with a focus on Jane. And that was the best part of the episode. The Jane stuff is 99%. But unfortunately, it's mixed to an episode of a, a bit of an incoherent mess. And I've never watched an episode of Doom Patrol like this before. And it's a shame because the season, for the most part, has been very strong. Season one was fucking amazing. And the introduction of the imaginary friends, it feels like lazy writing. I know what lazy writing is. We've all done it. The only thing is, if you're a writer, we've all been guilty of lazy writing yes. at some, some point. But the difference is we go back and we rewrite. This feels like imaginary friends. Yeah, that fixes what we uh, uh, we need something for Cliff and Jane to do our Cliff and Larry and Rita and and Kipling. We need them to do something. Let's um, give them imaginary friends. But we've never seen that before, though. Like, ah, it's OK. Just do it. Go. It'll, it'll work. But what about all the other things we used earlier in the season? Can we use something we've mentioned so that it fits a bit better? No, 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 fuck it. Imaginary friends. It feels a little gimmicky and lazy. And that's why this score gets the worst score I've ever given a Doom Patrol episode. I hate to end the season like this. And as simply a fan, I enjoyed the episode. I did not hate the episode. As a Doom Patrol fan, as a regular viewer, it it's fine. But as a critic... There's some things. There's some issues. So this does bring us to an end. If you found us during the course of the Doom Patrol run, I thank you. And if you want more DC content, you can find all of our shows on our regular feed, DC on RMD. That's right. We don't just simply do a Doom Patrol discussion. We have an entire network dedicated to all types of content, but... Specifically, in relation to DC, we have a DC exclusive feed. Just search for us, DC on RMD. I want to thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thanks. Now comes their reckoning. They lashed their whips at you, dear Lord. And now they will be lashed with eternal flame. I have been faithful unto death. Crown me and let me be seated by your most holy side. Yes, I am ready, Father, to leave your house. What the fuck? <laughs>